up, Energy Fam? This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here in Zoom land with Nakruma Eves, multifamily investor and energy advocate at Four Life Capital. Nakruma, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Justin. Thank you for having me on. It's a yeah. pleasure. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you making the time. And, you know, I have to apologize. And for the audience out there, we lined up a date and time. I completely dropped the ball. And then Nakruma, being such a gentleman and a polite individual, kindly sent me a message and said, hey, I think we had a podcast today and you even took accountability. Like, I apologize if something, you know, this and that. And I was like, no, no, no. I completely dropped the ball. I forgot to put it in my calendar, send you an invite. Then we had it recorded for Thursday. And then I had to make it to today because Nicole's out of town. And so anyway, it's been point being, I appreciate your flexibility and getting on. We finally made it happen. But yeah, for the listeners, this is a bit of a different episode and kind of special for a few different reasons. But For the listeners out there, I just want to give a little bit of context. So Nakruma and I connected on LinkedIn, which, you know, like many people do nowadays. And he was very supportive of the content that I put out and the former podcast, you know, with OGGN, Oil and Gas on Shore. He had listened to a few episodes and even said through listening, it kind of helped change his mind and, and perhaps a little bit of perspective on the oil and gas industry. Him and Nicole, my wife, connect on LinkedIn as well. They play in the same sandbox from a career perspective. But I just thought it was fascinating, the correspondence that I had with Nakuma. And I thought, what a good idea to have someone like him come on the podcast who's not directly tied to energy that can kind of give a bit of perspective. And for all my, you know, for the network out there that I connect with on a regular basis, we've all talked about it. It's like, and especially in oil and gas, it's so easy to preach to a choir. We go to a conference that's an oil and gas conference and we stand up there, beat our chest and tell each other how important we are. But there's so many people out there, you know, within the United States and globally that just don't really have the resources or perhaps they've grown up in an environment that was you know, that wasn't really conducive to learning about energy. And the fact of the matter is energy affects us all in so many different ways. And so I thought, well, it'd be cool to have someone like Nakuma to come on. So Nakuma, I appreciate you coming on and to kind of kick things off. I'm curious, you stay very active on LinkedIn and you're always engaging. And I'm just curious, like, when did you start kind of connecting with folks online and tell me about your story on that. Cause I think it's really neat. Cause a lot of, I'm meeting more and more people like yourself who are really committing themselves to building relationships on LinkedIn. Oh, definitely. Not a problem, Justin. So I've had LinkedIn for probably three, four five years, but I didn't really get involved in connecting with people on LinkedIn until I would say November, December of 2021. And that's right came into the knowledge of multifamily investing and then find out you have to, with COVID and everything like that, no one was meeting in person face-to-face. So you had to go do it all virtually. And then I just started putting myself out there, talking to individuals, like-minded individuals, just to learn and better network to be able to take down some deals. But I like talking to people. For a while, I would always tell my friends and family that I'm not a people person. I don't like people. And it was probably because of my military background and certain things. I don't like crowds. But then Ah. as I look more and more at myself and what I like doing, 
I actually do like people. I like to talk to people. I like to see people do good. I'm always cheering someone else on when I see them doing good. I always believe in putting out positive energy. Yeah. Positive. So that's really it right there. And then reaching out to you, I was like, I'm Nicole's friend. I'm also be Justin's friend too. And then I followed your content. I started following you. And when I follow someone, I like someone, I do deep dives into what I can. That led me down a path of listening to your podcast and some of the episodes and learning a few things. Well, more than a few things. Again, getting a different view on the oil and gas industry. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think a lot of people through COVID, including myself, increased their engagement with folks online because really it was the only way. And thank goodness for technology. I mean, if this would have happened 30 years ago, you'd have been walking. Well, I wouldn't say walk to your neighbor's house because no one was leaving their house. But yeah, there would have been maybe some phone calls on the dial up. That'd be about it if, you know, whatever numbers you had. And so that certainly is the silver lining because I think what a lot of people realize is you can build a community and kind of build yourself up on whether it's social media or just whatever. But yeah, no, it was such a neat story. And you talk about positive energy. I'm curious. Well, first of all, thanks for your service. You mentioned being in the military. Deepest condolences to you and just your family and the sacrifices you've made. It's huge. I honestly couldn't even begin to imagine how challenging it must have been. But again, as a former Canadian and current American, I thank you for your service. <laughs> so you mentioned positive energy, which is like, I thrive on positive energy and, and people who have that sort of that vibe to them. Where does that come from? Because there's not too many people, especially nowadays with all the, I mean, I think there's a lot of great things happening in the world right now. Most people think the opposite, but how are you so positive and where did that come from? To be honest, I've just always looked at the positive aspects of things. I, don't, I try not to look at the bad things. I always tell my kids, only worry about what you can control. And I also tell my kids or my family that I never have a bad day. Just a moment in that day might be bad or not going the way I want it to go. Wow. But it doesn't take a day. So I always have a good day. No matter what you ask me, I always have a good day. I'm always smiling. I might not look always happy, but... When I come in the room with around people, I'm always smiling and talking. It's just me. I, I don't know where it comes from. It's just me. Okay, so, but like, I mean, I'm curious, right? Because for me, I typically am quite positive and I know where I get that. I think it's inherent in my DNA. My mom is the same way. As she's gotten older, she's become a little more negative. Like she'll get mad at random people at Walgreens and stuff like that. But, you know, growing up, she was like, like, it could be a rainstorm and she'd be like, I love the rain. It cleanses my soul, you know, like. It doesn't never really mattered. It was always like she found the silver lining around anything. And so like for me, that's I've kind of, you know, through osmosis and in my DNA, it's like I always, if something's happening, I'm always like, oh, that's exciting. And then people will say, Well, no, are you kidding me? Like the world's about to end. How is that exciting? And then I present some random perspective and they're like, Okay, that's kind of weird, but I get what you're saying. So for you, I mean, was your mom like that? Where did you grow? I mean, and you may not have an answer, but I'm curious, like, were your parents like that or no? Not really that I could think about. Somewhat, the statement I go back to, the old adage, don't cry for spilled milk. So like that, where once it happens, it happens. I might get upset briefly, but after that, it is what it is. Just move forward and you got to just wipe it up, find a way to get over it, get around it, build a bridge, cry me river, build a bridge and get over it. That that (laughs) statement, you know? That's yeah. just, that's just yeah. how I am. Right. I've no, been through a lot. It's just always uh, positive. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And you have kids, right? From my understanding, you do have kids, right? Yes. We have four. We have a 21-year-old, 17-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 6-year-old. 
Hey, she's made an appearance. Hey, sweetie. How you doing? Yeah. Like we were saying before, my daughter came in and gave me some special gum that mommy bought her yesterday. And it was so good. Well, thanks for coming in. (laughs) Oh, she's a sweetheart. And so I think when I saw some pictures online, is your son the oldest? Yes. Yes. We have a 21 year old who's the oldest, not Sarah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, does he carry that same level of positive energy as well or? does what's funny is he's in sales similar to yourself <laughs> so he, he goes around knocks on doors <laughs> hey you but know what that's always, the best always, yes my own wife had always told him the worst thing one can say to you is no so never be afraid to ask a question or to speak up and it's funny that some of his friends will always ask him hey nasir go ask someone so this and they're like why are you not afraid like my mom or my dad always tell me don't be afraid to ask anything the worst thing i could do is they say no figure out a way to get around it yeah, that's powerful, man. Honestly, it's like so many people are scared to hear the words no. And it's like, you know, I learned that early in my career, especially growing up, you know, in an entrepreneurial family, we owned our own business. And my parents made me get out on the floor and try and sell furniture. And I had a knack for it. I mean, granted, I was giving sometimes things away for less than they cost. So I was <laughs> costing the company money, but I could sure get someone to buy something at some point. But yeah, and even now in my career, it's the same way. But I think it's super commendable for your son, 21 years old, going on knocking on doors. I mean, you're in Oklahoma. I know it's hot. But to overcome rejection, whether it's if you're trying to sell something or it's whether you're trying to you know, go out on a date, whatever, you know, just not being afraid to ask for what you want is you'd be surprised how much you can actually receive if you just simply ask for it instead of hoping people give it to you. That's cool. And especially kids nowadays, and I say that speaking in like very high level generalities, but it's like, there's a high level of entitlement and just expectation. But at the end of the day, you got to go out and earn it. You know, no one's going to give you anything. And if they do, then, you know, that presents challenges in itself. But I think that's really cool, man. And so what does he sell? He's all sells all vivid home systems. I don't want to say home security system because he always tells me it's not home security. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. Well, if we end up switching, man, who knows? Maybe I can get him a sale down here in Texas. All right now he's in Colorado Springs. Oh, he's in oh wow. Okay, so he lives up there by himself. Oh, oh uh, Vivian has their employees go to different places. He lives in Oklahoma with me, but he's ah. Colorado Springs and Pueblo and that whole area all working ah. that. Good for him. That's awesome. So I want to take a pivot here and ask you a question and kind of going back to energy and the oil and gas thing. But what core belief? have you changed your mind on over regarding energy? And it could be very brief. I mean, go into as much detail as possible, but have you had kind of a shift in thinking about it or how you sort of kind of noticed yourself say, Hey, you know what? Like I used to think this, but now I think this, is there anything come to mind? Yeah. So when I used to think of oil and gas, I would just think of the fields, the mine, mine fields and the, and the drilling and all that hard labor. It's not until I listened to one of your episodes about API, I believe, when they were talking about different avenues to go in the oil and gas industry, which should have been common sense to me. But since I'm not around it, I don't think about it too much as far as going into the technical side of it, the troubleshooting side of it, the admin side of it. You don't have to be strictly hands-on and breaking your back or working those long days like you did in the beginning. Yeah. So right there and finding out that companies actually put their money to good use in the communities. Like, mm. Actually, I read this morning about how much the tax dollars, I think $1.6 trillion is supposed to be received from the taxes to go towards public service from the oil and gas industry. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. 
Yeah. I just found out more about that stuff and that the world needs oil and gas or it's dependent on it and how dependent the U.S. is as far as oil and gas. We're the number one consumers. Transportation is the biggest industry that consumes it and everything yeah. revolves transportation. I deal in logistics in my W-2 job, so I know that everything is dependent upon it. So just learning that right there and really thinking about it, knowing it before, but not really thinking about it because I wasn't really too much exposed to it. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And a lot of times we take it for granted, whatever industry we're in, right? And you can go to speak to someone and whether it's oil and gas or whether it's, who knows, you know, computers or, I mean, IT stuff, technology, logistics like yourself. I mean, logistics is a great example. Like if you think of the sheer amount of logistics required to keep grocery stores full, it's absolutely, it's like, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I don't understand the full complexity of how it happens, but it's insane how much we as a nation consume everything, right? And how it actually is there readily available for us is an absolute piece of art, in my opinion. And it's like ingenuity, it's hard work, it's around the clock. And now with, you know, the way technology has, we have access to every pretty much square inch of the world. And so if someone's working in Asia and you're somehow tied to that organization through whatever, maybe you buy goods from Asia or whatever, like you have to be up at some obnoxious time on meetings. And like, there's just so much happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And yeah, unless you're kind of exposed to it, you just expect to go to the grocery store and there's always going to be bread or eggs or milk. But the reality is like, if you look at like from like the cow to like, or like the farm and everything like there's it's so complex and that's similar to energy. It's so complex. Like, you know, electricity from the wall. Like I've had numerous conversations with my daughter about like, okay, what does it take to survive? And she knows now. We need food, we need energy, and we need water. Like, yeah. And so she knows. I'm like, and so she has an idea, like, hey, sweetie, where does this gasoline come from? And she can, as much as a six year old can explain, like, yes, daddy, like you help do that with your drilling. And then the stuff comes out, and then they go to this thing, and then the thing produces it, and then it goes to the gas station. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't come out of the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a process to it. Yeah. So, where did you grow up, Nakrumah? I was born in New Jersey, Plainfield, New Jersey, but I moved a lot my entire childhood, even in my adult life. So I was born in New Jersey, but raised my younger part of my childhood in Connecticut. And then my high school years are spent in back in New Jersey with my final year being spent in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So what made you move around so much? Shoot, the environment and I have no choice. We, didn't, we moved around in the town. And went to different schools, but the whole moving, just how we were back back then, my mom had to move a lot. Okay. Understood. Understood. No. So what would you say? I mean, I moved once growing up, but what would you say growing? I mean, is there anything like any takeaways from moving around as a child and kind of any experiences that sort of help shape who you are today? Because I know a lot of people who do move around as a child they're either very good at adapting or just understanding people because they're in so many different subcultures. I mean, does anything come to mind? Both of those. That didn't very quickly. Like when I joined the military, moving around was nothing to me. I didn't think anything of it before. It's not till later on I realized, oh, I've always moved. Yeah. And being around various cultures, I've always been around various cultures from cool. the time I can remember. My family is Jamaican, but I've always grown up in a 
mixed or racial culture or different ethnicities. It's always been that for me. Yeah. And so how did you end up in Oklahoma? The military. I joined the army in 99 and came here in yeah, 2000. Been here on and off for the past 20 years, maybe 15 of those years. So my entire adult life, me and my wife's entire adult life has primarily been in Oklahoma. <laughs> ah, okay. Do you like Oklahoma? I do now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Coming to the small town was a big change for me when I was a teenager. But now, as I got older and we have a family, I'm perfectly fine with this kind of environment. I like that it takes me 15, 20 minutes to get from point A to point B at the most. Yeah. And it costs everything good. So, yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> I got you. So, I have to ask, what is gasoline prices where you're at in your town? Do you know roughly? Yeah. Yesterday, I believe it was 434. Between 434 to maybe 454. Ah, okay. Yeah. I was actually, I had some business to attend to. I was in Oklahoma City last week for two nights and I don't remember what gasoline prices were, but I don't think it hit $5 yet, but I think the national average is over $5. Yeah. So I'm curious in your social network and maybe, or maybe not, but like are gasoline prices talked about? Like, or is it like at the dinner table or is it like if you're out with friends or family, like, is that a topic of conversation? Cause in my social network, like it always is, but that's like, because we are in the industry, but like, do a lot of people talk about it? They actually do. Actually, I think this past, was it yesterday or two days ago, I was, my friends were having a conversation about gas prices and how they're going up. And one friend was like myself, listen, we need gas. I'm going to pump it anyway. I got to pump it. I know we need it. Other friends were like, no, this is BS. I can't believe it's going that high. And then I had the ability to speak a little bit about why gas prices might be high from the things that I've learned. And they were like, oh, really? I didn't, didn't think about that. Didn't think about really the war going on right now, Russia and Ukraine, or yeah. the policy being in place right now by the current administration and all the rules like that. So I had a little bit of talk about me doing some research prior to this. Yeah, no. And that's the fascinating thing about it, right? It's like, I mean, I've been in this industry since I'm eight, I was 18 years old. Like, I still don't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I may have an idea just because I, I live and breathe this industry. But the fact of the matter is, is no one knows everything about what's happening. It's such a complex system, kind of like what we were saying before. But what I think is important is for people to at least have an open mind to dig a little deeper. Just like you said at the beginning, you're like, oh, I, I saw you online. I dug a little deeper. And I mean, you check the boxes for the things that I value in a person, whatever. But the same thing goes for, you know, whether it's gas prices or, all of a sudden your electricity bill when you renew doubles is to just have that sense of curiosity to say, well, why does this, like, why is this happening? You know what I mean? And I think that the problem is, and the challenge is that there's most people and rightfully so they're headline readers, they draw conclusions and then they apply it to complex systems without really digging a bit further to perhaps understand, or they have one source, right? Whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever news outlet might be out there that they've watched their entire life, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the reality is, is it's like, if you do it just a little digging and try and like weed through the BS, mm -hmm. there's an opportunity to learn and then have a good conversation about it. You don't necessarily have to change your mind, but at least then you can have something to support kind of your stance. And it sounds like that's kind of what you do. Yeah, I did. I did. It's funny you say that about the electric bill. I learned something from one of your episodes previously. I think it was, yeah, I didn't know that I couldn't negotiate 
my electric bill, because when your guest said you need to, they were saying, I need to um, negotiate my electric bill before gas prices rise. And it just hit me. I said, hold on, I can do that. So soon I got to work, I looked online, I said, oh, I can negotiate it. Let me see about doing this right here. I haven't done it yet, but it, I was informed that you can do that if you actually planned it correctly. I didn't know I signed the contract really, I guess, for a, a year, two years, however it is, because she said, yeah. You guess that her contract ends in a few months. She needs to renegotiate. And I said, well, hold on. But yeah, I learned a lot about that. I learned that. That's a huge one. That I mean, that is, and especially now, I mean, I'm scared to have to renew my contract. Now, granted, yes, I'm going to try and negotiate. But for the listeners out there, don't let your contract renew and then go on this variable rate because I did that by accident because I just, life gets busy. And then your electricity company is not going to call you and say, hey, if you want to lock in a cheap price, you better do it now. They're going to just let it ride. And the next thing you know, your next bill's like <laughs> triple. And you're like, what the hell? I never knew. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. But electricity, so like here in Texas, we get a lot of our electricity from many different sources, oil and gas, wind, solar. I mean, we're a huge, I mean, we just have, you know, we're very fortunate geographically where we live and all the resources, but there's at the end of the day, oil and gas, natural gas specifically, really dictates the price of electricity. And coal prices used to, but not quite as much anymore here in the US. So for those out there that are you know, interested, and a lot of my listeners are, but perhaps you know, through Nkrumah, maybe we've gained a few non-energy listeners as well, is kind of keep an eye on natural gas prices. It's, you can go to oilprice.com. And all of those prices are always there. And the natural gas price really has an impact on your electricity bill. And so if you see it's going up then yeah, and then all of a sudden your electricity, unless you're like locked in on a contract, which most providers do, but anyway, yeah, just, it's just good information to kind of keep tabs on. Yeah. Perhaps a reason why your utility bills go up and down and it's directly tied to the natural gas prices most of the time. So it's, Yeah. And negotiating them is good. Yes, I think it's a good piece of advice, especially with prices going up. They're going to go up again, probably, I, I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, again, no one really knows, but the fundamentals on the supply and demand side have a good case for it to go up, at least until the end of the year. And then who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, you know, fascinating conversation. And so, Nakuma, I'm curious, you know, again, someone like yourself who's outside of oil and gas, what would you advise? as someone that's not into oil and gas, and let's just talk energy in general, because there's really, I think there's like less than 3% of the United States actually works in energy, meaning I would say probably greater than 90% of people really don't understand the energy industry. What could and what we what should we do to kind of educate folks like yourself who really weren't exposed to it? Like, How can we get our message out there and do a better job at educating just the general population? That's a good question. What you did, um, uh, I said before I listened to your previous episodes, you spoke at a school, speaking at places where people or individuals would never think that, oh, I may have an opportunity to uh, work in the oil and gas field and do this. And whether they're going, I don't, don't want to say, whether they're going engineering, lawyer, doctor, or whatever, they might find something better in the oil and gas field or even start going to schools primarily, talking to the, the youth. Yeah. Starting with the so kids, right? Yeah, with oil and gas, we all think this. most of us see it on TV as a negative thing. You don't really see anybody speaking positively about oil and gas and the benefits of it. Yeah. Unless 
you're in that field or you're around like-minded people. But, but for the most part, you see the media constantly with negative topics or articles about oil and gas and not really touching on the positive. So I just think this need to go out there to the communities outside of oil and gas, like outside of Houston, Oklahoma, Texas, Pennsylvania. Go to places where there is not a real big market for oil and gas, but you have some very smart individuals there that might be willing to listen and come over to the oil and gas or just to be well-informed. Mm-hmm. No, that's such a good point. And I think, you know, getting with the youth and again, not even just oil and gas, but just energy in general. And I appreciate, you know, you, you, you speak on oil and gas. That's obviously my career, but I've just learned to understand that it's going to require all forms of energy and oil and gas and coal are obviously the traditional forms, but there's great technology out there that allows us to create energy, you know, and supply energy through whether it's hydro, solar, wind, but yeah, I think ultimately educating, you know, the youth at a young age, you know, that there's other businesses and companies out there other than Amazon and Facebook and Tesla to go work for. Because <laughs> yes, right they, now, I th- they need transportation just like, like you guys need transportation. <laughs> they, need, <laughs> they use it. I know we're going towards electric cars, but right now technology costs more than what it, it's not, might not be feasible yet. Yeah. So yeah. I just think it's going to. Right. But you got big business pushing for energy and electric energy. I don't want to seem like I'm all on oil and gas side. I I just did the research for positive things about oil and gas. I see negative stuff all all the time. So I'm just more speaking of what I learned positive. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's going to require all forms. Things always change. We need more energy and the demand for energy is going to continue to go up. And so however we can get it there is going to be extremely important. So I want to switch gears a little bit, Nkrumah, and give you an opportunity to talk about a little bit about what you do in the multifamily space. So if you would just kind of share how you got into it, you kind of briefly mentioned it and then kind of the why and the reason behind you doing what you're doing. Yeah, not a problem. So I found or multifamily found me in November, me and my wife. I thought I was going to learn about investing in duplexes and triplexes or fourplex. But then as soon as we sat down, they said, no, we're talking about commercial real estate, which is apartment buildings, five units and above. Everything they talked about and the potential to scale, the potential to provide generational wealth for your family, to teach people and just everything about it and to build a community up. So I just fell in love with it. And I did a deep dive. I'm still doing a deep dive, learning and networking. So currently, out in Oklahoma, we look to acquire properties with five units to 50 units in the Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia area or markets. That's really it. I've been just networking and pushing along day by day, making steps to get that goal of getting that first deal and deals to follow. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I mean, my wife's going through the journey as well, and it's a grind, and there's just so much to learn. And so I think just like anything, social media and media in general glorify real estate. But the fact of the matter is, is it's a grind, and you have to get out there, you have to network, you have to be working at all hours of the night, just like you know any other industry. I mean, I know my wife does, she's up late reading and studying and you know, creating content and networking and it's a full-time job. And the challenge is, it's like, there's, it's not like you go to work in multifamily and you get a two week paycheck. It gets, you may have, <laughs> you, you may have to wait to get that bag because it ain't coming quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun though. It's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy the learning and 
all the possibilities. So I'm always talking to people about it now. And at the yeah. same time, I started getting more financially literate. And I speak to my family and friends and co-workers about all these things that I didn't know being, I'm like, I'm 41 years old. And some things I'm like, man, I didn't know this stuff. So I talk to my kids about it. I buy them certain books that I'm reading that I feel would add value to them. I tell other people that I'm around all about real estate and the possibilities. I'm all the way in. That's exciting, man. That's exciting. And oh, there's another. Is that your other one? Hey, what's up, little man? How you doing? Man, it's hot out, man. I know I had to throw my shirt on before recording. I didn't want the crewman to be, you know, see me with my shirt (laughs) off, but it's hot down here in Texas too, little man. he operates yeah in underwear (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's better than my son my son's normally in nothing (laughs) man i don't know what it is but that dude never wants to wear anything so yeah i get it (laughs) that's awesome before we shut her down here how can my community and my network how can we be of help to you i mean again we kind of play in a different sandbox but is there any way that we can support you and if so how can we do that Oh, just follow me on LinkedIn, reach out. I'm primarily on LinkedIn. I don't really use Facebook too much, but the best way to contact me is on LinkedIn. And Perfect. Free to connect. I'm always willing to talk yeah. about or anything in general. Talk about life, all the positive things going on, because any day vertical is a good day. Hey, amen to that. I really appreciate that. And for all the listeners out there, again, if I encourage you to connect with Nkrumah, just an overall gentleman, scholar, positive thinking individual and just extremely supportive. And so I really appreciate the conversation, Nkrumah, and anything that I can do to support you and your endeavors, let me know. And same with my community. And for the listeners out there, if you like the show, please review it, subscribe, share it on LinkedIn or whatever platform you're listening to. You know, Wicked Energy with JG is just getting kicked off. And so all the listeners that went from OGGN, Oil and Gas on Shore over to this one, I greatly appreciate the support and anything that I can do to improve the podcast, deliver more value, connect you with people that I've interviewed. So if any listener out there wants to connect with anyone that I've interviewed and or maybe you know shy or just don't want to reach out to that guest that I had on, I'm happy to make introductions as well. And with that said, everyone really appreciate it. Nakuma, you got any closing last words, man? Thank you very much for having me on here. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you and your audience. I look forward to being on here again. Awesome. Well, thanks again for everyone. And always remember, everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me. Peace. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. And look, if you or your organization wants to start a podcast, please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast. Once you get through it, let me know if you have any questions or getting started. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Peace.